I'm entitling the message this morning, How We Are to Be Light to the World. If you listen to the news, watch the news, or read the paper, or talk to anybody that does, you would know this morning that this world is in serious trouble. There are riots all over the world. There are those that are dead set in believing that the way to bring revival to the world and to America is to riot and march and scream and holler and be negative. And that's not God's plan. And I'm going to try to show you that this morning. God hates sin, but he loves sinners. The sin of every generation is serious, but there's never been a generation that's more full of sinners than this one. We are seeing it everywhere we go, everything we see, do, hear. Something is tragically wrong. And today I want to speak to you about that. Because you see, God warns that if people reject the truth, that, that will bring them to salvation, there is no other hope. I'm going to say that one more time. When a civilization decides that it will reject the only name given among men whereby we can be saved, we're in serious trouble. When we come to the point that we believe if we do religion, everything is okay. Where the Bible says, unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you will not have the light in your life. He is the light of the world. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, And for this cause shall God send them strong delusions that they will believe a lie. We are there, folks. We are there. We are living in a world where every group thinks they've got the answer to the world's problems or the nation's problems. But the only answer to the world's problems and the nation's problem and Houston's problem and Texas' problem is Jesus. And Jesus represents everybody because whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely. All of us have a common denominator. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we get saved, we come out of darkness into light. If we get religion, we stay in the darkness and we just have rituals that we go through and call it a relationship. And you see, we fail to see the cause of our delusions. The Bible says God shall send them strong delusions, but we don't recognize them. We have the feeling that if we just make up something or change something and not do as much of it and cut back on sin or whatever, but we don't ever deal with the sin problem. And it affects everything. I'm going to go off course here for just a minute to share something that I learned this week that I hope will help you. And I think you'll see where it fits in by the time I get to the end of this message. A strong delusion in our day, I believe, and am convinced, is 
Things like climate change is our problem. God help us. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 23 and 24 says, And your heaven that is over your head shall be brass, and the earth that is under you shall be iron. Now listen to this. The Lord shall make the rain of your land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon you until you be destroyed. Now let me go on the other side and give you some other things I've learned this week from these uh, global reinsurance files. They're very active, by the way, in Houston right now, if you've heard about Harvey. Uh, they are beginning to look and all of our stuff and reevaluate it and try to decide who's going to pay for what if another one comes. But uh, I hope you know that 2016 was the worst year for floods in the entire United States. Worst year it's ever seen, according to these statisticians. There were 19 separate floods in the United States in 2016. In 2017, Hurricane Harvey dropped 51.88 inches of rain on Houston, Texas, where we are worshiping today. That's the highest rainfall from any storm in the history of the United States of America, and 60 people at least died. An estimated 33 trillion gallons of water fell on our city in six days. That's more than we average in a year in Texas and Houston. Wildfires are sweeping across America. If you watched the news last night, the fires in California are up to over 230 square miles, according to the National Interagency Fire Center. And an average of about 6 million acres burned each year from 58,000 fires between 2006 and 2016. But listen to this, in 2017 alone, alone, from January to October, 52,000 wildfires burned over 8,825,000 acres in the United States of America. Now you know who gets blamed for that. Those of you that go on vacation and build fires, you know what I'm talking about. We get all the blame, you know. We're just burning place up. We're roasting wieners and burning the country up. I would invite you to do just a little bit more research before you take that position. Because from 2008 to 2012, lightning caused nine times more fires than people. Now, I don't know any person that can make it lightning, but I know a God that can make it lightning. I know God can start fires. I know God can move with great power. And we're watching it and just saying, I'm going to plan for the next 40 years. I'm that kind of a person too, but I know this that God's waiting for the light to come on and shine or he's coming back. And for us together today, as believers, we're in church, folks. We're not in Astro Stadium. We're not out playing games. We're here supposedly to worship and God has got to show up 
or we're just wasting our time. John 10.10 says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. When a non-believer asks us for the reason that the hope is in us, I think of 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks a reason for the hope that's in you. That's where the light begins to shine. To let your light so shine before men that they'll see the good works, but they'll glorify the Father which is in heaven. When we move about and we understand that God has a plan. His plan is he sent his son into the world. He was the light of the world. And then he comes to live in us. And when he lives in us, then our light can shine to a dark and dying world. Now, in order for that to happen, listen carefully. And Brother Bill alluded to this a moment ago. A person must have a fixed purpose for living to live what, the way God wants them to live. You can't just say, wow, this is a new day. I wonder what I'm going to do. I'm no, I wonder how I'm going to act. You know, the Bible says this is the day the Lord's made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. But what are we going to do? Do you have a plan for your life? I know there's a whole lot more behind me than there is in front of me, but every decision I make, I try to make what is God's plan for my life. And that must be where you are. You're not here to just fill up the community or take a seat in a worship service or make the economy stay alive. You are here to be the light of the world if you're a believer. And if you're not a believer, God wants you to be a believer and come out of the darkness into his marvelous light and you cannot be successful if you don't know your purpose you will just stumble around go with anything and everything change with the generations and never stay fixed on God's purpose for your life so here's my question a little more simply do you have a goal for your life oh I wished I'd have had it when I was six okay well now you're 60 the question is not how old are you. The question is, do you have a goal for your life? Are you just here hoping that tomatoes don't go up much more and that Medicare doesn't go broke and Social Security doesn't go broke? Because if that happened, I would just die. Then what's going to happen? You see where we're going with this? When God is real in your life, you have a purpose for the here and now and the nasty now and now, and you got a reservation for the sweet by and by. But when you go around like most of your friends, not having a clue, oh, I wish I'd have done this when I was, I wish I'd have done that when I was in high, oh, I wish I would have made that mistake in college. Oh, I don't know why I took that job. Get over it. The Bible says, forget those things which lie behind and press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. And that high calling is let your light so shine before men that they'll see the good works, but they'll glorify the Father which is in heaven. Your goal is not to reestablish your career. Your goal is to be like Jesus. Your goal is to lead other people to Jesus. I walked in H-E-B store yesterday. I thought I heard something to my left and... I don't have the greatest hearing in the world. And then I heard it again. 
And I thought I heard John. So I turned. The lady walked over to me. That welcomes us into the HEB store. And she said, are you Brother John? And I said, yes, I am. She said, 12 years ago, I used to come to Sagemont Church, and I met Jesus as my Savior. Then she began to tell me about 12 years of some of the difficulties she's been through. And she said, but my hope remains in Jesus Christ. And when I checked out, same store, same visit, same day. The lady that put the last bottle of iced tea, went grocery shopping yesterday, I got three cases of Coke, two gallons of iced tea, a quart of orange juice, and a watermelon. And as she was putting the stuff in the, in the sack, she saw my pen. I have one that I wear around my neck, which is the only pen on the resurrection of Jesus that I've ever seen. And the only place I know you can get them is our bookstore, so there's your commercial, all right? <laughs> and she said, that's a beautiful pen. And I told her the story of how Jesus died because this is a pen of the resurrection of Jesus. He died on Friday, but he rose on Sunday. She said, I wished I could have one of those. And she said, where can I get them? I said, there's only one place that I know of, and that's the bookstore of the church. But I have one in my pocket right now, and I'm going to go there this afternoon. I'm going to give her one. Because she says, I would just like to have another way to tell people about Jesus. That's what this is all about, folks. Get the light out. Don't worry if they've run out of bluebell. God will see you through. Don't have a holy fit. But when we go around and try to do our own thing, we forget what God said do. And what did Jesus say? Follow the culture. Follow me is what Jesus said. So the question is, are you doing that? Do you take Jesus into consideration in every decision you make? That's what it means to start turning the light on. People are wanting to see Jesus. Now, some of them don't know what they're looking for, and they're looking for joy and happiness in all the wrong places, but Jesus is the light of the world. And the only way I know to get rid of darkness is to turn on the light. Don't run around bumping into the walls at the house. Try to think of where the light switch was and do the best way you can to get there if it's on your hands and knees. Because once you make that magic genius move to flip on the light, your prayer is going to be answered. You're going to be able to see again. But you know, today, we're just bumping into walls. And the Bible says, get to the light then you become the light. You're a reflection of the light. You can see others because the light has shown you that all around us are people that desperately need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Do you ever make the statement when somebody walked into a room where you were and you just said to somebody else, you know, every time they walk in the room, they sort of light up the room. Well, that's a compliment to that person. But people... Only get impressed with Christians when they see Jesus in that person's life. Nothing else impresses them. They're not impressed with how many uh, Bibles we have in our house that don't get read, 
how many times we go to church, how much money we give. It all has to do with, am I seeing Jesus in you? Are you different because one day Jesus Christ became your Lord and your Savior? That's the question. In Deuteronomy 26, 11, it says, And you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given unto you. What is your greatest blessing? Where did it come from? I'm going to risk the statement that it came from God. If you're enjoying your health, your family, your marriage, your business, your vocation, God has a way of making himself known to the searcher. And listen to his promises. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ does what? Cleanses us from all sin. Ooh, I like that one. Let me give you another one. Philippians 3, 7, and 10. But what things were gained to me, Paul said, those I counted lost for Christ. Why? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings made conformable unto his death. That's assassinator Paul that wrote that. When Jesus came into his life, the light came on. He was walking in darkness and the light came on. And even when he was arrested for his faith and was in the darkest dungeons, there was a light there. In that dungeon, there was a light of God. God never leaves us, and he never forsakes us. The story of Job is brought up in sermons all the time. He lost his family. He lost his money. He lost his health. He lost every bit of it. Listen, folks, it's easy for our light to shine when everything's going good. But it is difficult for our light to shine when the wheels come off. And when they come off, you know what the Lord says? Be still and know that I'm God. And I can get you through this. But you're going to have to take up your cross, your burden, your sorrow, and follow me. And I will get you to where you're wanting to go. And you're about to ruin your health, ruin your relationships, wipe out your money, trying to go the world's way rather than turning the light on. Job 1.21, he said, the Lord gave and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Have you got there yet? Health gone? Someone you love gone? Money gone? Job gone? Turn on the light. Come to the light. Let him come to live in you. And when he lives in you, then the light is in you. And you begin to see things. You begin to forget things that are behind and press towards the mark. And you start planning your life. God, what do you have for me to do, if anything, until you call me home? And he will guide you. And he will lead you into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Did you know something? Jesus was tempted by his followers 
to divert from the course that God the Father sent his son here to do. He did not have to go to that cross. He could have chosen, I'm not going to pay this price. But he did. Why? Because it was the will of the Father. The Father told him to go. And he said, I can do nothing else. I must follow him. I don't know if the name William Borden means anything to you, but he inherited a fortune and he changed the campus of Yale University many, many years ago. But there's something written about him that I have remembered for a long time. He turned down major jobs and he, uh, he wrote some things that were actually only six words. Number one, when he gave away his fortune that he inherited, he wrote in his diary, no reserves. Kept back nothing, not 90%. People have trouble with 10%. He gave everything, just like God did. Gave his only begotten son. Jesus gave his life. But then he began to be offered jobs because he had a great name. And at that time, where he could get a job and go to work and do something else, he said, no retreats, is what he wrote in that page of his diary. And then, when he was dying, all of these years, gave the fortune away way back there. When it came the day of his death, he wrote in his diary, no regrets. No regrets. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. Wow. Wouldn't you like to put that in your diary? I would, my own. A lot of people have forgotten what Paul said. You remember, he was a very successful man. He was in demand like no one else. He could go to the top of the charts. His records would have sold good. <laughs> he was even before wire tapes, if some of you are old enough to remember those. But you remember what he wrote in Acts 14, 22? We must through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. That's what Paul wrote. Let me tell you something, folks, if you're following Jesus. You say, oh, everything is so sweet. I'm just enjoying everything. I'm following the Lord. Ooh, I tell you, it's just one big party, one after another. I'm so happy, happy, happy. Ooh, I just can't wait the next Sunday to go to church and praise the Lord. We need to talk. <laughs> and what we'll talk about, not your problems, but your honesty. There's not a single one of us that live that kind of life. There's bumps in every road. And some of you have tried several of them. The first one didn't work. The second one didn't work. The third didn't work. The fourth didn't work. So now you're going to stay single. You'll get it. <laughs> you've changed bars. You've changed movies. You've changed everything. But the Lord says... I want you to be born again. I want you to start over again. I want you to give your life to me and let me do with me what I put you here to do. And some of you, I got to make up for lost time because you wasted the first half. Now come follow me and let's try to make up. And a lot of you didn't know the Lord till you were 50. If we saw these two children baptized, you probably said, I wish I'd have gotten saved when I was six years old. I wished I'd have given my heart to Jesus. I was seven. And I wished I'd have been six. But you know, that's just the way the Christian life is, folks. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. 
Walking in the light is a lot better than, than bumping into walls because you're walking in the darkness. Jesus was the light of the world. We're to come and add additional life. But you know what? Christians today, watch out now, I'm fixing the metal. Get out your pen. Remember, all my correspondence goes to Stuart Rothberg, so just send it to him. <laughs> but we're living in a day when the Christians, the Christians, many, the majority, love darkness rather than light. They go to the place of darkness, they enjoy darkness, they worship in darkness. And God says, I'm the light. I challenge you to find one scripture in the Bible that doesn't say what I just said. Jesus is the light of the world. We are not to stumble around in the dark. We're to walk in obedience to his commands. And he will be the light. He'll be a lamp unto our feet and, and, and a light unto our path. And we can hide his words in our heart that we will not sin against God. Solomon wrote, in Ecclesiastes 2.13, then I saw that wisdom excels folly as far as light excels darkness. Solomon was known for his IQ. He was known for his wisdom. He was known for his incredible wealth. And on and on and on. But yet, he writes it clearly. I saw that wisdom excels folly. Life is not a fun game. We're not put here to enjoy the earth. We're here to help light up the earth and turn it to the creator of the earth. There were four things, and I'll be real quick on these. There were four things that turned the early church into being the light that God wanted them to be. When you look at the scripture, And you see that in the book of Acts, light began to come to the church. And as it began to come and to the people that represented the Lord, and people had left the light and gone into the darkness, then four things popped up. And here they are. Number one. Number one is in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread and prayer real quick summary number one they were steadfast in their doctrine look at the church today the American church and many churches that are Christian churches around the world look today at the doctrine and the teaching of an overwhelming number of churches and you will see that it's cool today to live in the darkness and to worship in the darkness. It's what they want to do. Is there any possibility that our baptisms, with all this technology, we're going around the world on the internet right now. Nine o'clock, we were in the city of Houston. In the next hour, we'll have a wonderful worship service here and over in other places. But listen, we're baptizing 40% less than we baptized 50 years ago. What happened? 
We decided that was, the church would become the social gathering of certain groups, and if we could just make it like they wanted it, then we would have revival. But my dear friend, if Jesus doesn't show up, all you've had is a meeting. And so today, we're in the midst of the time when the Lord may come. Think about it as you go home. The 12 disciples were eyewitnesses during their lifetime. Jesus received precise and practical commands from the Father as to how they were to live. And they followed. The Great Commission was to go into the uttermost part of the world, teaching them, baptizing them, being an example to them. And in John 14 and 10, Believe you not that I am in the Father and the Father in me. The words I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the work. You see, folks, he's not depending upon our gifts. He's depending upon our being the vessel through which he pours the blessing and the salvation to the world. If you... Or I were arrested for being a Christian. If the Christian world were arrested for being Christians, would there be enough evidence to convict us? Being a church member does not make us a Christian. Coming to church doesn't make us a Christian. Knowing some songs don't make us a Christian. Even having a Bible doesn't make us a Christian. You must be born again. And when we're born again, God begins to do incredible things in our life. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. That's all he asks is to be like him. So in the book of Matthew, it tells us, go make disciples, teach them to obey God's word. All things. That's our number one assignment. God's word never changes. Never. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's not a contemporary Bible. There is the Bible. The inspired, the inerrant, the infallible word of God. The light of God's word will push out the darkness. And the way you get rid of darkness is you turn on the light. Let me say that again. And when the light comes, the darkness leaves. And many times when churches come back to the gospel, people leave. And invariantly when they do leave, the church begins to move back up again. Because now it's become what God created it to be. A light in a dark and needy world. Number two, there was a fellowship. The best definition I know of that is two fellows in the same ship. Okay, there was a love for one another. We have churches that are hurting today. I prayed for a church this morning that's not very far from here. It's a very critical day in the life of the church. It could totally explode today. And it burdens me. But I know this, if God shows up, it's going to be okay. God wins, folks. 
You may be worried where the Astros are going to win or the Texans are going to win or somebody. Let me tell you, I don't know, but I know one thing. God wins. And I want to be on his team. I want to say, tell him I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. The word koinia is the Greek word that is an, a powerful expression of our love and our generation. But we bring into this dark world God's love and we take light to the darkness and in a fellowship where one hurts, we all hurt. And when Harvey came to Houston, it is continually mentioned around the world as to how Christians came to this flooded area with our church taking a lead with other churches and the, the things that happened will live for infamy because the church rose up and became light in a community that needed to have the love of God and to see that God had not forgotten about them. The next thing was breaking the bread, communion. Acts 2, 46, they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily should be saved. Real quickly, we have two kinds of communion. One is individual. Right now, as soon as we're through, the communion room will open. Some of you can go there, one, two, a family, and they will serve communion to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a special time. Maybe you're hurting today. Maybe you just need to be reminded that he's the light of the world, that he's going to get you through this. That room will open as soon as we get through here. In fact, it may be open right now. But there's also a time, folks, for us all to get together and have communion. Don't let that take the place of this because we need each other. Communion was what brought the church together. It let everybody know we're in this thing together. We're either going to go up together, we're going to go down together. But we're going to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. And that's what it's all about. And this is what they did. In order to get the light into the world, they had that time of communion and the breaking of bread. It's good to just look around and see your fellow believers. I wish y'all could stand up here. I don't want all of you to preach, okay? But I, I would like for you to see what I see every Sunday because I look at people and I can remember some stories. I see new people that are here. And it's a real exciting thing, you know, to, to be able to do that. But every time you come to church, don't you forget that we need each other. Amen. When I was playing baseball at Baylor, Coach Dutch Schrader was my coach. I'll never forget Something he taught me, it wasn't about baseball, is when we were playing the University of Texas, we were sitting on the bench, and the University of Texas infield was working out. And we were just stunned. I mean, they had an Altuve at every position, you know. <laughs> and so we're there, and we're sitting there like a bunch of defeated Baylor Bears. And Coach Schrader, he just walked right in front of the bench looking at us he said look at me look at me look at me listen to me look at me and then he backed out a little ways and he said guys quit looking out there on the field and look at those of your teammates that are sitting on the bench with you he that's in us is greater than he is out there and we won thank you Longhorn Listen, folks, that's what communion is all about. Look around right now. We're just about through. But I, I want you to know, 
We're red, yellow, black, and white, rich, poor, just showed up. I met a precious uh, lady. I'm sure she's in there right now. She watches on television. Other Sunday, Zach and I were there. Welcome at the door. First time she's ever been here. I told her, I said, I hope you'll be blessed, and I know that she will be blessed. But we're in here. It ain't over till it's over. There's still a battle to be fought, and we need people to get on board and let your light so shine before men that they'll see the good work, but they'll glorify the Father, which is in heaven. Power comes through unity. Power comes through unity. We need to quit fighting each other as the body of Christ and get on board for God. And the last thing, and I'm through, is prayer. They prayed together. They were steadfast in prayer. Folks, praying is not just shutting your eyes on Sunday morning and praying with, like this. We're to pray without ceasing. When we see sin, we need to pray, not get angry. They're just simply following the Satan. But we need to pray for them. We need to encourage them. And we need to ask God to send people out continually as you precious ones that have gone to different parts of the world this summer to tell people about Jesus. A group had just got back from the border of Mexico here either yesterday or they'll be coming in today. Those that have gone across to Africa and the uttermost part of the world, thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you for television and being able to send the signal out. But the point is that we are the light of the world and the world is in darkness and if they don't see the light, they have no hope. And when we look at the budget of our church, and know that 30.4% of our budget goes to world missions, it makes me, literally, when I'm by myself, tear up. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to be. Get the light out.